2024, an election year like no other. From the candidates to the issues, from voter integrity and analysis, we'll discuss debates, trends, patterns, election laws, and more. This is Vote 2024, Path to the Polls. With the U.S. Supreme Court deciding to consider a Colorado ruling disqualifying Donald Trump from its 2024 primary ballot, the legal complications and legal experts say there are a number of ways the nation's highest court could rule, including skirting the issue. This hot-button political topic is front and center on our newest live streaming show. This is Vote 2024, Push to the Polls. Welcome. I'm Bruce Hamilton. Appreciate you joining us. Joining me this morning is constitutional law expert and member of the Newman Law Group, Rod Sullivan. Appreciate you being here. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate your expertise. Some basic and perhaps perfunctory questions to get things going this morning. There are those who say that Donald Trump had a hand in forming this nation's Supreme Court. And they worry that politics could formulate their decision. And in fact, it has on some very important issues in the recent past. Mm -hmm. Your take. Yeah, I mean, certainly Trump had a number of appointees, Bush had a number of appointees, and the court has become progressively more textualist, more originalist, more conservative over the course of the last 10 years or so. Uh, now there's really a core group of three very liberal justices and, and uh, another group of six more conservative justices. So you could call that politics infused in the court. But, you know, quite frankly, the court's been political for 50 years now. It's just that the balance has swung from one side to the other. And perhaps we get a different view because of social media and the way things play out in the media these days. Could very well be. Clarence Thomas, his wife had a role in trying to overturn the decision in 2020. And there are some say that he should perhaps recuse himself from his, this case. Should he? Yeah, no, uh, no, she, he should not. But uh, let's you know, focus on what his wife did. She was at a rally before the January 6th um, incursion into the, uh, into the Capitol called Stop the Steal. And, uh, but she didn't actually participate in the January 6th, what we call insurrection at all. She was merely one of, you know, nine or ten people who formed a committee that called themselves Stop the Steal, that were trying to contest election results. And therefore, for that reason, a group of Democrats' congressmen, yes, Ada to be precise, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Hank Johnson and others, uh, have asked him to recuse himself. He will not recuse himself. Um, and I don't think he's required to recuse himself. It's not like he has any kind of personal outcome in it. In it. He, has a, he has a wife who is a conservative Republican. Other, Cong other members of the Supreme Court have spouses and children who are politically active. They've all got opinions. And it's, you can't really say that Justice Thomas can't form an independent decision simply because his wife is a Trump supporter. Their politics have nothing to do with his decision-making ability. Well, I think that politics in itself doesn't have anything to do with this decision-making ability. He, he has a, 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 he leans a certain way. He leans toward textualism and originalism and, and the opinions of Justice Scalia. The two of them used to be very closely united in their legal opinions. And that's completely opposite from like Justice Kantaji Jackson and, uh, uh, and Justice Kagan and Sotomayor. And they're, they're just on two sides of the political spectrum. But that doesn't mean the politics of who's running is going to affect how he's going to decide this case. So is the court itself in general kind of between a, a rock and a hard place? I don't know. It, you know, this, 
you know, to, as a lawyer, as a constitutional lawyer, as somebody who's taught constitutional law in the law school, and somebody who's appeared before the Supreme Court, to me, this is, is a fairly clean legal issue. In other words, the facts are not really going to intervene, in my opinion, too much in what the court decides. The court's going to look at three different legal questions and answer those legal questions themselves. And I don't see politics getting into that too much. I mean, if you look at the text of the Constitution, you look at what happened in Colorado, you look at the due process question, these are questions that, you know, they apply to the Trump, to Trump, but I mean, they could apply to virtually any candidate who they seek to disqualify. You know, it could be, it's Trump this time, but you know, next year it could be Biden or two years from now it could be somebody else. So I don't really see it as a rock and a hard place as, as much as I see it as a, they're certainly on time deadlines, but uh, I, I look at it as a clean legal case. Yeah, but we're going to talk about those time deadlines, but there are some people who say, look, the court shouldn't even be involved in, in the first place because this is a decision that's really up to the states. Well, that, that is the position that I expect the three more liberal justices to take. They're going to argue state, states' rights, which, as you know, states' rights was the, the caller, calling card of the Ku Klux Klan and the, the South during the Civil War and, and uh, anti-civil rights. Well, now you've got the three most liberal... There was an oral argument. Let me tell you why I'm saying this. There was an oral argument just last week in the Supreme Court, which I listened to, that involved whether or not a state can charge impact fees. And you had the three most liberal justices on the courts arguing for states' rights, which I think is a little bit anomalous. You don't expect to hear that. And the, and the six more conservative justices saying, no, this is a case under federal constitutional law. So um, there is an argument to be made that the, that the state should decide this issue, and I, I think that's what you're going to see come from the the three more liberal justices. And ultimately, whatever happens, do you think it will apply to virtually every state? Because they can't just make it apply to Colorado. Yeah. The, these Of the three major issues, one of them deals with every single state. In other words, if, if they decide on this issue concerning uh, whether or not the 14th Amendment is self-effectuating, that's going to affect every single case. Maine, California, Minnesota. I mean, there have been 24 of these cases. This is not the only one. And almost all of them have been dismissed uh, before they even got to the trial stage. So Colorado's the only one who went to, went to trial. So yes, it's going to affect this whole disqualification issue across the country, depending upon which issue or issues they choose. Now, can, can these justices weigh in without um, reversing the decision and weighing in directly on the former president's conduct and, and virtually sidestepping the issue? They're not, I don't think they're going to address the, the president's conduct at all, Trump's conduct at all. I think they're going to keep this to a very strict legal question. And if you, you could call that sidestepping the issue, but the Supreme Court's not there to resolve factual disputes. They're there to, to resolve legal disputes. And the legal disputes are so clean, clean legal issues that I think that's what they'll decide on. You don't think the matter of insurrection is going to come up? I don't. I don't think the facts of the insurrection are going to come up. This idea that they're going to, you know, look as to whether or not what Trump said caused an insurrection, I don't think they're going to hear any argument about that. I don't think they're concerned about it. But the whole insurrection issue has come up in other legal matters, and that's been a point of great dispute, you know, the, the whole issue of the, uh, of the 14th Amendment and what the, the, you know, the Founding Fathers meant with it. Yeah, I mean, the very basic question, was this an insurrection at all, or was this a riot? Okay, you, you, I don't think they're going to get into that. Um, 
So does the 14th Amendment even apply to this situation? I don't think they're going to get into that. Uh, I really expect them to focus upon these, these three clean legal issues and decide those. All right, so is that the most advantageous thing for the court to do? So it, it doesn't appear that they're um, interfering, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's first of all, my guess is that they're sitting down and they're drafting opinions right now because there is a lot of written paperwork around this case. The district court in Colorado, the lower court, the trial court, had a 105-page ruling. The Supreme Court of Colorado came out with a 215-page ruling. Minnesota's got a ruling. Michigan's got a ruling. The Secretary of State of Maine has got a ruling. There's no lack of written material discussing these legal issues already. So I, my guess is that the justices is already flushing out whatever their decision is going to be. Um, and the idea that they're going to get into, you know, does Trump have a First Amendment right to address the protesters? Did he incite them to riot? These are, these are factual questions which I don't see the, the nine justices getting into on the Supreme Court. So you said there are, what, three different ways that this I think could pan out? There, there are probably more, but I see three different ones. I don't think most people understand that in the Colorado case, the Trump won. Trump won in the lower district court. That judge said that the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the president because the president is not an officer of the United States. Now, that is the most complicated argument to understand. I have to admit, when I first look at the 14th Amendment, I see officers uh, of, the, of the federal government who've taken an oath. I, I think to myself, well, gee, that's got to be the president. But this judge down in the district court and also the, the judges in, in Michigan looked at it and said, no, when this statute was drafted, when this became a constitutional amendment, Congress was very sure about what they were saying. And they're saying that former insurrectionists can't be congressmen and they can't be senators, but they don't mention the president or the vice president. And then they go down to officers of the United States. And was that simply a mistake? Was that an oversight? Well, they assume that Congress didn't make an oversight, and all the states voted on this. So that when the people voted, they voted on an amendment that didn't mention the president or vice president. And therefore, the court below decided he may have committed an insurrection, but the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the president. Now, okay, everybody's shaking their heads right now saying, how could that possibly be? And I think you have to look into, and what the judge did is read the constitutional history, read the constitutional debates, realized that they had actually debated whether the president and vice president should be included in the 14th Amendment, and then made a decision to not include them. So she decided, I agree with everything that the Trump op opponents say, but this 14th Amendment doesn't apply to the president. Therefore, I'm not going to take him off the ballot. And then it went up to the Colorado Supreme Court. The Colorado Supreme Court said to the district judge, we agree with everything you say, except we think that applies to the president and we're, we're knocking him off the ballot. And that was only a 4-3 decision. And the other three justices, they, they sided with Trump, with Trump. And they're all Democrats, by the way. The other three justices all said, uh, you know, you're just wrong. It just, this doesn't apply to, you can't knock him off the ballot. And that's where we're at. That's where we stand. So if that's the case, why did the court even agree to go ahead and take this case and not just kick it back to the District Court of Appeals? Oh, no, the, the, um, the Colorado Supreme Court came down in favor of not allowing Trump to be on the ballot. That's why the Supreme Court took up the case. Okay, so their hands were tied. They basically had to. The Supreme Court had to. Yeah, the US they, they, Supreme Court they had, had to, to or he was going to stay off the ballot. Exactly. Okay, so the biggest hope for the Trump team addressing the Trump's appeal on the issue of due process then? I'm sorry. 
the, the best hope for the Trump team on the issue of due process happens to be what? Yeah, oh, well, the due process argument is the second least complicated or most complicated issue. And basically, they this California, I'm sorry, this Colorado statute allows the court to take a five-day review of a challenge and then after five days issue a ruling as to whether or not a candidate is qualified to be in office. Now, due process provides that you must have, uh, if you're going to deprive somebody of life, liberty, or uh, property, you need to give them due process. In this case, it's a liberty interest. They're de denying Trump liberty to be on the ballot. <laughs> Under due process, we have certain liberty interests that are protected. I mean, you're entitled to a jury trial. You're entitled to confront your witnesses. You're entitled to cross-examine your witnesses. None of that happened in this case. Basically, the district court judge says, I got the January 6th report from Congress. I'm adopting what the January 6th congressional hearing said, even though it was, you know, run by Democrats and there were only, you know, a couple of Republicans, all of whom decided they wanted to impeach Trump to begin with. Uh, I'm going to accept that this is the facts. This is what happened. You're not going to be able to cross-examine them. You're not going to be able to ask them any questions. I'm accepting this. And then they said, well, what about the First Amendment argument? Trump was just speaking right? Speech is protected by the First Amendment. So they brought in an expert witness who said, well, I can discern that while, while anybody else might have said these exact same words, this would be freedom of speech. When Trump said these words, he knew that he was alert. It was a secret message that he was alerting his supporters to riot and disrupt what was going on in Congress. And me as an expert, I can tell that when you as a layperson cannot, because this requires my expert experience as a college professor is what he is. That's another question about due process. And then they got this five-day rule. The, rule the, the statute, it's not a, not a require request. It says five days after you get this issue, you shall decide. This judge said, ah, eh, I don't have to worry about it. 60 days later, that's fine. We'll do it 60 days later. So there are all these questions about whether he actually got a fair hearing and a fair trial down in the lower court. And then we come to the, the cleanest of all and probably the easiest to understand of all the arguments and is whether, whether or not the Fifth Amendment grants to the states the right to decide this question of whether somebody's disqualified from a federal ballot. And the way the court looks at it and the way I think these textualists are going to look at it is they're going to read the text of the 14th Amendment and it says Congress shall have the right to create statutes that effectuate the purpose of this amendment. It doesn't say the states can do it. So Congress has, an, or the, the amendment in effect, preempts the entire field. It creates this disqualification requirement, but it then preempts it and says, Congress decides how it's to be done. So the first time this came up after the Civil War, somebody came up and, and said, look, what if Congress hasn't passed a statute, you know, what can we do? And the Supreme Court said at that point, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Salmon Chase, said, you know, you're right. This is not an effective statute unless Congress passes a law to do it. And so Congress passed the insurrection statute, 28 U.S.C. 2838, which says in effect that you know, only Congress can do this. It's a criminal charge, and if you're convicted of this criminal charge, then um, you can be disqualified from holding office. So the idea is that a, a federal prosecutor can charge somebody with that and, and, and with, a, with a criminal charge that results in their um, removal from office, disqualification from office, but not just any voter. 
Some voter can't come say and say, oh, I think he's an insurrectionist. He shouldn't hold public office. That's not, uh, that's not what the law provides. So when, when all said and done, and this is, uh, has been a, a game of juggle for the Chief Justice on, on a number of issues, what does he have to do to protect the court's reputation? John Roberts. Um, uh, I don't know. That he, I mean, he only has one vote, he, he, and he gets to assign decisions. So he, he's going to have the oral argument on February 8th, and then he's going to decide, am I going to write the opinion? Am I going to assign this to another justice to write, or are we going to do something called per curiam? which means that we're going to do an unsigned opinion. Now, I think it's most likely that Roberts is going to hold this one for himself. I think he's going to write the decision himself. But if he doesn't, my second prediction would be that they do a procurium, that nobody would sign it. The next thing he gets to do is decide, what about the dissenters? If there's a dissent from Justice Jackson, Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan, who most likely they'd be the dissenters, who's going to write their dissent? Or are there going to be three dissents? And then, you know, that's going to be it. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be a 6-3 decision. Now, it could be. Some people have suggested it's going to be unanimous in favor of Trump. Um, I haven't heard a single expert yet say that they expect the Supreme Court to uphold the Colorado decision. But then again, who knows? You know? Let me ask you about oral arguments. So this goes to the court on February 8th, I think, I think is the date they had. They said they don't have, really have time for oral, oral arguments. They, they have the t they're, they're doing the oral arguments, but in this case, there's only three days. They are going to hear oral arguments on the 8th, and they have to come out with their decision on the 11th because absentee ballots go out on the 12th. So that's why I think they're sitting now writing opinions as, we, as we're sitting here. Because they'll, they'll get the briefs in. Uh, I think the first brief is due this Thursday, two days from now. The second brief is due two weeks from then. Third briefs are due a couple weeks after that. They'll, they'll get all these written briefs in, and they will certainly consider those, but they don't have an awful lot of time to write. When three days is not a lot of time for nine justices to get together and agree on what their final decision is going to be. Does what ultimately happens serve broader social and political goals? Well, I think it does. Um, if the court was to uphold the Colorado decision, that any voter can come forward and seek to disqualify any candidate for insurrection, this is going to become a continuing feature of American political life. You're going to see every single election, somebody's going to come forward and say, well, that person's insurrectionist and should not be on the ballot. And I'm bringing it to my local district court here in Iowa, Kansas, Alaska, Hawaii, wherever it may be. And I'm going to hold a trial. And then we're going to just exclude that person from the ballot. Do you really want 50 of these cases going on every single election to determine who's going to be on the ballot? I mean, one of the things the Constitution is supposed to do is, is ensure uniformity throughout the nation, one set of laws that applies to everybody. And if the Colorado decision were to stand, that would be against uniformity. It would say that every court gets to decide, like Maine. I mean, Maine didn't even have a court case. The Secretary of State, who's not a lawyer, simply said, well, you know, they did it over there in Iowa. I'm going to accept what they did. I'm going to take them off the Maine ballot. So it'll be, it would become a big feature of our political system. So when all is said and done, you think Donald Trump's on the ballot, there is uniformity, and that's the end of the issue. No, he may be in jail. Who knows?
you know, there's so many other cases out there. He may be in a Georgia jail running for uh, running for the presidency. And by the way, it's never happened to a president before, but it's happened to congressmen before. But the bottom line is he can be behind bars yeah. and still be on the ballot. Absolutely. He could be on behind bars and serving as president. And uh, you That's know, a whole other set of issues. That is. You know, there was a candidate up in New Hampshire many years ago who was actually arrested before the election, ran for re-election to Congress, won by a landslide, um, was released the day before he was to be sworn back into office, had to skirt around all the other states which wanted to arrest him again to get to Washington so he could be sworn in. And he served again. So it's not like it's totally unprecedented. It's unprecedented for a president, but it's not. It's happened before. All right. Uh, so you think that the Supreme Court will reach a decision fairly expeditiously? You think that it will it will rule in favor of having Trump on the primary ballot? End of story. And you don't think this will rear its ugly head again? This particular issue, this Fourteenth Amendment issue, I don't think so. I don't think the disqualification issue will really rear its head again. All right. And you think that uh, by, what, end of February we'll have a decision and in oh, time for Super Tuesday? I think we'll see it February 11th. I bet the, the morning or maybe the afternoon of February 11th you're going to get a decision from the Supreme Court. And February 12th those ballots in, uh, in Iowa are going to go in the mail. And you don't think there'll be any kickback from any oh. other corner? Sure, there'll be kickback. Oh, there'll be wells of pain and, and anguish. Um, and from other legal experts who say it's an injustice? Oh, of course, of course. There'll be a bunch of people that'll get on and say that this is a miscarriage of justice, that we now had to, we need 15 Supreme Court justices because nine is not enough. You know, we need to amend the Constitution. I, I expect you'll see all sorts of kickback. But whether any of that, I, I'm not a good enough prog prognosticator to say whether any of that will come to pass, but no, there are going to be whales of anguish when this decision comes out. No question in my mind about that. You know, it's interesting, ultimately, when this all came about, even Trump's opponents said, you know what? This is all up to the people to decide. They should have the right to cast their ballots. Mm -hmm. Is maybe that the bottom line? Well, I think that is what, yes, I think that's what people are saying. I, I, you know, the more that Trump gets persecuted, you know, Caesar was, was stabbed 27 times before he died. I don't know how many suits there are against Trump, but it's got to be getting close to that 27, and they're going to try to bleed him to death. But the fact is that, and by the way, I'm not supporting Trump, but I mean, I, I think people look at this and see, uh, see this happening and say, well, this isn't really the way we want elections conducted in this country. You know, we want people to be on the ballot. We want the voters to decide. And every time another lawsuit comes out against him, it seems like he gains more support. It, it does. In, in fact, if you look at the vote cast poll most recently out of Iowa, people said, I don't care if he's indicted. I don't care if he's put in prison. I don't care if he's found guilty. We're going to vote for him. But there's a lot of time between now and November. And again, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not casting a judgment here. I'm just saying that that's what the latest polls say. But we all know polls and their efficacy. That's true. Yeah, polls can change over, overnight. And I guess that's what our, you know, number two and three candidates out of Iowa are looking at. It's like things can change. Maybe DeSantis can jump ahead. Maybe Haley can jump ahead. There are a lot of people that have pinned a lot of their hopes on Trump not being on the ballot and not winning in November. But I remember, too, when, when I was a kid, my dad used to say, 
I don't like any of the candidates, and people are saying that as well. Oh, yeah. I also remember that back in the day, James Carville, when it was Daddy Bush, said it's about the economy, stupid, but also if you look at the latest polls, they said, no, it's about immigration. So who knows come November of 2024? Yeah, it, it really, you know, and it's a, quite frankly, let me give a caveat here. It's the same thing with predicting what the Supreme Court is going to do. I mean, they've made some specific predictions here. I've said a 6-3 ruling. I said maybe the three are going to be Jack, so on and so forth. Any Supreme Court expert will tell you that you really cannot predict what they're going to do based upon oral arguments and based upon the briefs ahead of time. So I'm going out on a limb here and making predictions that most constitutional experts wouldn't. So if I'm totally wrong, you know, you can flagellate me in public. But um, that's my best guess. Look, the Jags will go to the playoffs, right? Yeah. <laughs> Rod Sullivan, thanks very much for being hey. here. Appreciate your time. Enjoyed it. We'll revisit it. Thank you for watching Vote 2024, Path to the Polls. If you want to revisit the program or you want to watch it in your leisure, it is on demand on the WJXT YouTube channel and WJXT.com. Back next week with a look at the New Hampshire primaries, which, who knows, it could change the texture of anything and everything. Appreciate your time. See why every day more people are choosing News 4 Jax, Northeast Florida and South Georgia's number one source for local news.